Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville. I'm Al Hunt as we approach the last five days of this extraordinary election. Don't forget, at the end of the show, we'll answer all your questions. So if you have a question for us, write to politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Politicon for next week's show. We'll get to as many as we can. This episode is sponsored by Hydrant, SteadyMD, and The Great Courses Plus. Check out the links in the show notes, and we thank them for their support. On a Thursday, by the way, James and I will be taking part in a special live broadcast in conjunction with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you want to watch, please go to post-gazette.com slash election 2020 event. We'll put a link in the show notes. And I want to thank all of you for listening today. Please tell your friends, remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. James, uh, we're on a roll. We have Two fabulous guests today, Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, two of the most important states for next Tuesday, and I'm really looking forward to it. But first, let's us just kind of give a wrap-up before we begin, if that's okay with you. Uh, five days to go, the last month has seemed like a decade. Uh, I think it's safe to say Joe Biden is in demonstrably stronger position than Hillary Clinton was at the same time four years ago. That blue wall will be talking to Michigan and Pennsylvania leaders with Bob and Governor Whitmer uh, and particularly uh, Wisconsin. They are solid. Things look really good for Biden in Arizona. And there are six other states that are in play, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Iowa uh, and Ohio. And uh, you know, Trump has to win them all. And everyone concedes he's going to lose the popular vote. And it seems to me that even if you take the worst case scenario, that path to 270 electoral votes is incredibly narrow. This is not 2016. The voter suppression efforts in Florida, Texas, Ohio, and the United States Supreme Court, led by the partisan operative Brett Kavanaugh, that's that's a that's a problem. But not if Biden wins, as I think he will, by about seven points and 340 electoral votes. So tell me where I'm wrong. Well, I, I'm not. I can't tell you you're wrong. I'll give you some things that, that we know to be, uh, I, we, I think we, we both know this to be a fact, but I think these are important for our listeners. So first of all, there is some concern about Florida. I mean, we see a lot of polling. Uh, Florida, you know, Florida looks kind of squirrely, all right? But, but there's another thing that is a fact, and I think this is more significant. And this has been confirmed by multiple people who see this all the time is, almost without fail, the congressional district polling looks better for the Democrats than the statewide or the national polling. So why is this important? Well, first of all, there's just a lot more samples because there are a lot more congressional polls than there are statewide polls or, or national polls. Secondly, I have this sneaking suspicion that is shared by many is that the posters are fighting a little bit of the last war. They're using 2016, so they're, they're really very conscientious about ha- having sufficient number of older white voters, sufficient number of non-college white voters. And I think that you look around at this early vote, some, I, th- I think the share of younger voters is going to be higher than people think. Now, the stunning statistic that people will hear on this show from Senator Casey is in 2018, he had a higher margin in the city of Philadelphia than Barack Obama did in 2012. Now, just think about that for a second. Just 
think about that for a second. When people worry about the motivation of, of uh, communities of color, I guess is what the proper nomenclature is now, that that is stunning evidence. I, when 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 we when our listeners hear that, you need to digest that because you you hear a lot of this. Trump's gonna run a lot stronger with African American voters, and he's gonna run a lot stronger with this. And you know, well, that piece of evidence tells you that there's real motivation out there, and you're starting to see that in a lot of places around the country. I'm stunned by the turnout profile even here in Louisiana. It's gonna we're gonna break every record in the world, and this is hardly a swing state. But I I think in coming up, that's one of the most significant things I heard. charts, as our guest Richard Murray predicted three weeks ago. You know, one thing, yeah, you look at those Florida numbers and Republicans and the early voting have really closed the gap and it's caused a lot of Democrats to 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 be, as you said, um, uh, squeamish, squirming. Uh, and that and that may be reality. One thing I think, though, that nobody can quite figure out, including the great Michael McDonald and a lot of these states, including Florida, 20, 25, even 30 percent of those early votes uh, in North Carolina are unaffiliated, no party. And no one can quite figure out what that is. They suspect it's disproportionately younger voters who just don't register. And if that's the case, it's almost certain they will be disproportionately for Biden. Uh, Or it's people who've kind of dropped out of the two parties. And if anything, four years ago, they'd have said, I don't particularly like either one, but I'll go with Trump because I want something new. This time, I think the more likely of people who really aren't crazy about either candidate, the more likely attitude will be, I can't take four more years. So I, I, I don't have any proof of this at all, but I suspect those unaffiliated voters uh, are going to break clearly uh, D uh, when the election comes in. I, look, I, I think, I, I, look, I'm not telling this a 50-50 chance. I, I, I'm not predicting this, but a real possibility. I mean, not just an outside possibility, but a real possibility is that Biden gets 400 electoral votes. That's big. That's big. I can get him a 375. I can't get him a four. Well, you know, you no, no, you're right. You throw Texas in, you can. If if he carries Texas, if he carries Texas, it it, it, it becomes easy. So if you believe Richard Murray, and I would believe him ahead of anybody else, all right? And and I just know that there's just, night before last, there's a really good poll that has MJ Hager tied. She's the Senate candidate candidate running against John Gordon in Texas. Yeah. Yes. And he watched Ted Cruz. I think it's with Jonathan Swain. He's even saying, well, no one cares about Hunter Biden. I, I mean, it, it, it's almost like these guys are quitting on you. Well, I, I think the only thing I could hope for in the next five days is if we could get Rudy Giuliani on television every day for, you know, four or five hours a day. Uh, this is this is uh, he, he's uh, he's even crazier than ever. Uh, and maybe even crazier than Donald Trump. I have, James, a little bit of worry, not big time, a little bit of worry about the Senate. Uh, I think the Democrats are going to be in the majority. I think it'd be a lot easier for Schumer and Biden if it were 54, 55 Democrats. I think it's more likely to be in the in the low 50s. I don't know. I mean, if if if, if, if you know, these things generally break one way. And you're right, they're, they're Georgia, North Carolina, Montana, Iowa, even Alaska, Maine, uh, probably South Carolina, they're all plus or minus two. It, that what happens 
what the least likely thing to happen, let's just say I, I named eight states, right. is they break 4-4. That that's just that, that that's not that's not the common experience where you just say okay well we'll carry this and you know Gideon's up by one but but Harrison's down by one so we'll give this it it, it generally doesn't work like that if you win you win here if you win in South Carolina right. you're gonna win in North Carolina or if you you know it, it it's just it's just political physics and now Texas is in there so you got a a lot of races that are plus or minus two. And whatever it is, they're going to break one way. And I, I suspect, just given the, the mood of the country, that well, they'll I, break you know, the Democrats. We will, I think we're likely we'll know the presidential result. Trump won't accept it, and they'll challenge it and all that uh, You know, by November 4. Uh, some of those things. I, I read today, I think this is right. You've been on top of Alaska from the beginning, that you won't know the Alaska results for a week. That's, I, that's, I, I think that's, that's true. <laughs> And, you know, that that's going to be driven a lot right. by the third-party vote. It's notoriously But if you remember in 2012, we didn't know North Dakota or, or, or Montana and some other state till, till much later. Well, and, and, and in, 2000, right? in 2018, it, it, James. It, 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 we, you know, we may not know yeah. Montana for a week. And, and remember 2018. It, I mean, we didn't know Montana it, it for a week. It looked like uh, the McSally carried Arizona on election day. Uh, and not only did Cinema win, uh, you know, a week later, but she won big. It wasn't a close, but more yeah, than a little, yeah. more than a little bit. So, yeah. uh, you know, we right, it, right. So, so I mean, it'll be a saga. It's highly possible we know the presidential, and you know, the same, we might notice the Democrats are going to take it. Hey, James, we have a terrific show, particularly for the last show before the election. Two states that are critical: Pennsylvania and Michigan. First, we're going to talk to Senator Bob Casey from Pennsylvania, and then Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. So stay tuned. Hey, made with real fruit juice powder, hydrant hydration packets are delicious, refreshing, and come in a variety of flavors, including the new keto-friendly lemonade, pink grapefruit, James may want to use that one, and no added sugar, two grams of carbs. You know, if, if you're like me, I'm 76 now. I, 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 I run well, You had a birthday day. and didn't tell us. I had, okay, because I'm, I'm at the age where I don't, I don't like birthdays. Happy <laughs> birthday, if, James. If, if, thank you. If you're like me, 76, I exercise every day. You need all the help you can get. You really do. And, and this stuff is like, it's good. It's good for you. And you can look and see what's in it. It, 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 it's going to help you. you know, and, and, and it, I wish I had this when I was 40 and running every day. All right, and even if you even if you're not like me, you're not a runner. It, not only can can it not hurt you, it can do everything and everything it can to help you. I mean, you just you want every little advantage that you can get, even if you're a casual athlete or you just want to, you know, have a good health profile. So this is some terrific stuff. And by the way, it it tastes good. All right, it's a hell of a product. Man, the things I wish I had when I was forty. Uh, they yeah. even have a new immunity line, and lemon, ginger, or hot apple cider. Uh, now, we got a special deal for our listeners to save 25% off your first order. You go to drinkhydrate.com slash warroom or enter our promo code warroom. That's all one word at checkout. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com slash warroom and enter promo code warroom for 25% off your first order. Go to drinkhydrate.com slash warroom and enter the code warroom. You can find the link in our show notes. 
And thanks for sponsoring the podcast, Hydrant. Where water meets wellness. Man, spoken like, spoken like a 70s. God damn, that's a great line I've ever delivered in my life. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's not what Hydrant can do for you, but what can uh, you do for us? <laughs> Hey, James, as you know, the Casey's are to Pennsylvania what the Kennedy's are to Massachusetts, the Bushes to Texas. It started when senior Bob Casey was elected governor 34 years ago in a campaign managed by a little somebody who's now co-host of this program, and it ain't me. We're honored to have the late governor's son, the state senior senator, Bob Casey. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you, sir. Al, great to be with you and James. All right, well, Senator, let's get started with the, what, what I call the view from Washington Avenue, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, how do you, what are you seeing different in this cycle than you saw four years ago? It, I ask our, our subscribers to give us, give us that kind of view. Yeah, well, James, when I worked for you in 1986 on the um, the field program in Philadelphia, I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the one of the things I learned is that it, that candidates uh, are often uh, constrained by the environment they're in. And if you're in a change environment, that obviously helps you. I think Joe Biden, both with regard to Pennsylvania and nationally, is in an environment where people want change for lots of reasons. The president's failure on the virus, the president's uh, many, uh, many failures and, and many insults to the country. But uh, so that helps Joe Biden enormously compared to 16. He's a change candidate because he's running against an incumbent in a change environment. That helps. But also, I think that um, when I when I look at Pennsylvania, there are just a lot of places, and you know these places well. Uh, if you go county by county or region or media market by media market, you can see where places where in 16, the the margins were much higher against uh, Secretary Clinton than they will be, I think, against uh, Joe Biden for lots of different reasons. But I think that's the case. And I think in the Democratic areas, like the, the big cities like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and suburban communities, I think he's going to be uh, in as strong a position as Secretary Clinton was and as strong a position as Barack Obama was in 12. So I think the big difference is, is he can reduce the the deficit in some of these small town counties or rural counties. Do you see some evidence that that is happening? I mean, you know, you go around the state a lot and people, when there's something that's going on, but I've noticed that people in Pennsylvania have a, a very good political seismograph. They, they, you know, that they're good at that kind of thing. Do, do, are you, what, what exactly are you picking up when you're in Washington County or Cambria County or, or Luzerne or, or any places like that? Yeah, part of it is just getting a sense that, um, uh, or I have a sense that that um, uh, some Democrats in Pennsylvania who might might have voted for Donald Trump last time, there's a group of them that will still do that. But I think there are still there are some that Joe Biden can get back. I always do the. This is just my own construct of a kind of a if you if you walked into a room with uh, 10, 10 Democrats who. Uh, voted for Donald Trump. Maybe they're, maybe they're 10, uh, um, building trades members, for example, just, just right, one group right. of the, the union movement. And you walk in and there's 10 in the room. Joe Biden makes his pitch. Donald Trump makes his pitch for the second term. Um, I don't think Trump's going to walk out with all 10. I think Joe Biden will walk out with two or three 
or four maybe. And if he does that, the uh, the election will be decided, I think, based upon that, uh, because Joe Biden is going to do well in in the you know the big cities. For example, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, in 2016 things were way off in in Philadelphia in that region." Well, they really weren't. I mean, Hillary Clinton won the Philadelphia media market by 25. Obama won it by 26. So there was nothing changed there. But where it was way off was in other parts of the state. I think Joe Biden can pick up. So this is an is an important point. Is we didn't lose Pennsylvania in 2016 because of a lack of democratic enthusiasm. We lost it because of the presence of unbelievable Republican enthusiasm or Trump enthusiasm. Yeah, Trump enthusiasm. It, it, would that be a correct analysis? I would say I would say Trump enthusiasm, which included uh, getting uh, some Democrats in outside of the Philadelphia region <laughs> to vote for him. You can just see that in the in the margins in uh, up where I live, as you know, in northeastern Pennsylvania, um, as well as southwestern Pennsylvania. I think the most the two the two parts of the state that are bear a lot of watching are this this uh, television market, this region, which is about 17 counties, but it's only about 11 percent of the statewide vote. But there it, you can't have a huge you can't lose it by 25. And the same is true of the half of the Pittsburgh market, which is pretty red. It used to be blue in the days when you and I were working together in the 80s, but it's become a very red market except for the county that Pittsburgh is in, Allegheny. So those two regions, all of northeastern Pennsylvania bears watching, as well as southwestern Pennsylvania outside of Allegheny County. If there was one county that you could look at the returns and basically be able to guesstimate the result, which was the one county that you would like to look at in, in Pennsylvania? I have it like dashboard counties for election night. And I, yeah. you know, New Hanover in North Carolina and Seminole in Florida and Gwinnett in Georgia. What, what's the one county that you would like to see? Well, would tell you the most. It, it's, it's interesting because there are, there are a lot of them you could look at. Um, but I think if you look at the ones that, that people point to a lot, the three that went from voting for Obama to voting for Trump, uh, were Luzerne, Erie, and Northampton. Uh, and if you add up the margins uh, of those three... Excuse me, just a second. Just so, just so our listeners know, yeah. Luzerne is Wilkes-Barre, which is like right south of Scranton right. in northeast Pennsylvania. Yeah. Northampton is in the Lehigh Valley. Right. All right, And Erie is on Lake Erie and in its extreme northwest part of the state. So I'm be, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Exactly. Uh, That's... But uh, everybody might not have the knowledge of Pennsylvania politics that you and I do. But please continue, yeah. sir. And, and I think they're all, all three are, are indicative. Now, what happened um, – so if you add up the margins that Trump won the, just those three counties by, it was more than 33,000 in a state that he won by 44. So you get a sense by just flipping those three counties, he was, he was on his way to winning. Um, I think Joe Biden is going to win Erie County for sure. Um, and even if he broke even, it would be an improvement. That's not a, that's not a huge difference because Trump barely won it, but he's going to win. I think Joe Biden will win Northampton. So already, you know, he's picked up, uh, you know, maybe 10,000 votes by doing that. But Luzerne County in Northeastern Pennsylvania is, I mean, people have written, I think Ben Bradley wrote a whole book on it just on that one County. I think it's hard for Joe Biden to win it, but, He's not going to lose it by twenty six thousand votes. He's going to he's going to cut down that margin 
just like I did in 2018 running against a, a congressman from Luzerne County. And if you do that, it makes it very hard to replicate what he did in 2016. Senator Casey, let me get in here. It's Al Hunt. Um, this is what some of the Republicans are saying, that, yeah, he may cut margins in some of those places, but uh, and certainly those four Philadelphia suburbs won't be so good. But you know what? We're going to do better in Philadelphia, we being Trump, than four years ago. Is there any possibility that, and if so, why? No, I don't. Th- I don't think he'll he'll do better in the the city or that region, um, because the the intensity. G- give me an example. The vote in twenty eighteen, an off year election, where he had. I was running for reelection. Governor Wolf was running for reelection, and both races were not close. Right? Uh, right. The intensity against the president was so high in that off year election that I got a higher percentage of the vote in Philadelphia than Barack Obama got. Now, that wasn't because of my scintillating personality. That was, was part of it. Of, <laughs> it was because people were on fire about the president. Usually, the intensity in cities goes down in off-year elections, but it was, at a, it was at a presidential fever pitch. So that leads me to believe that Joe Biden will win the Philadelphia television market by more than Hillary Clinton did or Barack Obama, and they both won it by 25 and 26. So that, that's point number one. But point number two... Um, just the some of the big numbers that a lot of people are paying attention to in the media, the uh, the white voters in Pennsylvania that don't have a college degree, they can they might amount to almost half of our electorate, and we're not going to lose them by 32 points. Uh, it, the, the deficit there is going to be a lot less. So it's very hard for for them to replicate 16, but we're going to assume the worst until until we're done uh, on election. Day. Well, I would just say I grew up in those suburbs. And uh, as you know, Senator, that was the heart of Eisenhower country. I mean, Montgomery, Delaware, Bucks, Chester, they were 70% for Ike. I remember my dad one time telling me that a guy down the road, Bill, he's a really good guy. Now he's a Democrat because that that was strange uh, in those days. Those are now overwhelmingly blue counties. Uh, My sister up there says, you know, that, that, uh, you know, there actually are Biden-Harris yard signs uh, around yep. and and she Everywhere. says she yeah. says they'll go bigger for Biden even than they did for Hillary last time. A lot of it having to do with anti-Trump. I I think that those uh, suburbs are pretty indicative, but um, I thought they were indicative last time as well, and that wasn't enough. So I think part of the key here is to continue to to try to reduce those margins in a lot of those right. uh, smaller counties. The good news is Joe Biden's. Um, his decency, his empathy, but also his economic plan uh, and his approach to the virus is helping to cut some of those margins in in, uh, in rural areas. Senator, let me ask you, do you well, worry about about them trying to steal it? I mean that. I mean, basically, uh, uh, the in-person voting in Pennsylvania probably is going to favor Trump, although the overall vote will you know, favor Biden. But he's going to declare victory on election night and try to challenge a lot of the mail ballots. Do you have any concern that since those mail ballots won't be fully counted, I guess, until three or four days later, uh, that that could pose a problem? Well, it's my view. This is just my view, and we'll see if I'm right about this. It's my view that uh, the only way Donald Trump wins his state this time is by uh, by stealing it. And we know that he'll try. There's no law, no convention that he won't uh, that he won't break. So. They're going to try. I have no doubt that he'll stand up on election night at some hour like 930 or maybe 10 o'clock. He'll wait till and say, I won Pennsylvania. 
and I think he's going to be wrong about that. But we have to be we have to be very clear-eyed about what the returns that we have mean. I don't think we should wait for 97 percent of the vote to be counted because that's not going to that's that's going to give him an advantage. I, so if it's just a question of who has more votes, Joe Biden's going to win Pennsylvania. But they're going to try everything they can. That's why the lawyers are prepared and ready to litigate if they have to. But I think we're going to know a lot. So, give, give an example. James will appreciate this. Allegheny County is our second biggest county, right. uh, a county where Democrats used to win, but now you win it by a lot more. So Joe Biden's going to win that county big, and they're going to have a mail-in ballot result early, like right after eight o'clock. So we're going to know we're going to know uh, by how much Joe Biden won Allegheny County by early in the evening. That'll tell us a lot. Philadelphia would take longer. They have more ballots to count. But Allegheny County is going to tell us a lot. I think some of these smaller counties that I mentioned will tell us a lot as well. And the key there will be, I'm going to turn it to James in a minute, but the key there in those smaller counties, particularly one that Trump is going to carry, is to compare it to the margins in 16, right? I mean, if he carries Butler exactly. by you know three points less than 16, that's instructive. Absolutely. And as, as, as you guys both know, that in a lot of these counties, the gap between what happened in 12 and what happened in 16 is so big that if Joe Biden is in the middle of that, he doesn't have to get the Barack Obama number in a lot of these small counties. And, and he won't because Trump is harder to beat than Romney. But but I think that if he's in between in a lot of these counties, we're going to know a lot that night. James. So, so Senator, what percent of the non-election day vote in Pennsylvania will be counted by midnight on election night? I'm not sure I can give you a percent, James, yet, because we're still trying to get a sense from the, the counties. But right. we're trying to push as many counties as possible to, to, to count those mail-in ballots right. uh, so that you have some some sense of it. Um, the, yeah. The, the, it, 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 you think it'll be half or, or more than half? Or do, you, do we know? Or is there any way to tell? I think it'll be a large number. The question is what, you know, what, which counties will they be and how indicative will they be? Because they're... Okay. You know, there's some some counties where Joe Biden might do a little bit better than 16, uh, but in some places it's, it's just going to be dramatic, and that might be small counties where the the counting doesn't take nearly as long as some of the big counties. Okay, I, I'm going to get kind of technical here. Yeah. So everybody is going to be going to have projections, and it, every all the quants are going to be there. So so let's say, and they will know how what percent of the vote is in that that you know right. counting the the pre-counted absentee early vote and then the election day vote. What they will be able to say, and this has been my point all along, and they'll know what's out. Right. They'll be able to call Pennsylvania, even if 20, if assumed that Biden, as we believe that he will, wins Pennsylvania by seven or more. At least I believe he will. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. We're going to know that by midnight. I think we will. I, you know, if if he yeah yeah, I, I, yeah and, and and they can say well you know you 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 have you know you see in returns come in and but you know if you're ahead by such and such a number that's just not enough votes there even if you got everyone to 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 really change the outcome and so you're right if if it is a close election if Biden wins by three we're in real trouble right right but I don't think that's going to happen and I think we're going to know. And I, and I think there's, there's also a lot of mythology about Philadelphia, that if you don't know Philadelphia and if they only have X percent vote counted, that that 
that's going to be the difference. But remember, Philadelphia is only at best 12% of the statewide vote, the city of Philadelphia. It's not 40, it's not 30. People have people in Washington all the time think, oh, Philly's like a third of the vote or half the vote. It's 12% of the vote. And the, the suburban counties are 22% of the vote. But I'm going to be looking at, at the count in small rural counties uh, where, for example, Cambria, James, you know, where Johnstown, right. Johnstown. used to be blue, yeah. but it's now it's deeply, deeply red and really on fire for, for Donald Trump. He's going to win that county by a big margin. But I know that in 16, um, it was the, uh, in 16, Hillary Clinton had 30 percent of the vote. Barack Obama had 40 percent of the vote four years earlier. If Joe Biden's at 35, that's a really good night. <laughs> yeah. No, just that kind of thing. I am. And there's, there's, yeah. that's not like 10 counties or 20 counties. That's like 55 counties are like that, where there's a huge gap between 16 and 12. So I think it's going to tell us a lot. I think places like Erie will tell us a lot where it went from, you know, plus three for Trump for the first time in, in decades. I won it by 18. Joe Biden doesn't have to win it by 18. He is, if he wins it by 12, it's going to be a huge victory. And you, ha- so, and, you, and you, you have Tom Ridge helping you up there now, the Republic, former Republican governor. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and that matters. He makes a difference in Erie. He sure does. Yep. Senator, what are you to? There's five days to go. Uh, Pennsylvanians, first of all, there have been a lot of, I don't know what it is, 1.4, 1.5. This is a new experience. Pennsylvania hasn't voted a lot by mail before. There's a pandemic. Those who haven't voted, uh, are you? Are there enough drop boxes? Uh, are there any problems there? Uh, are people afraid of going to the polls? What do you tell that group that's left that's still out there? Well, first of all, I'd say if you have a ballot in your hand and you want to get it in, go to a drop box or go to a uh, county election bureau. Or, you know, and it varies by county. Some counties have a lot of drop boxes. Some have few. Some have early voting. Some don't. But I would not put it in the mail at this point because uh, we're hearing, you know, we're, we're not hearing great things about um, parts of Pennsylvania where the, the mail has been really slowed down. So uh, I'd say drop it off uh, early. But I think, look, I think county election officials take this responsibility really seriously. And despite Donald Trump's uh, hot air every day, I think a lot of these election officials take, take their job seriously and they're going to be fastidious about counting. We just have to make sure that we get every ballot in the door. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that uh, Albert and I have been obsessing on uh, are these state legislative races. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, give us your assessment of, of what will happen in the Pennsylvania state legislature well, we, in this election. We have a, in the Senate, state Senate, we need five seats. In the House, we need, uh, I guess it's nine, but I think if you net it, it might be 10, 10 or 11, but it's at least nine we would need. And that's also indicative, just like Dave Wasserman is seeing in these U.S. House races, a lot of House districts where Trump was, you know, plus five last time is minus two this time or minus three. Same is happening in, in a lot of these uh, contested state House races where Trump might have been plus two last time. Now he's minus four. And so it mirrors um, it, it mirrors that. And we're seeing that in a lot of um, a lot of districts. Does that mean that Democrats will win the state Senate and majority in the state House? I don't know, but I think we're going to make some significant gains. And um, I think Joe Biden's um, uh, margins or Joe Biden's performance helps with that. Well, also, go ahead, Jay. So you, go no, ahead. No, gonna, no, all right. You know, like, go ahead. Well, I was going to go. Also, you mentioned the congressional seats. 
uh, and the state legislature, Pennsylvania is likely to lose a seat after the census. They, you know, we don't know yet, but uh, they're likely to. So these congressional elections really matter this year, setting things in place. I gather, tell me if I'm right, that all of your incumbent House members look in pretty good shape. There's no one under serious challenge. And you have a chance to pick off that seat uh, against uh, Congressman uh, Perry, I guess it is, around Harrisburg. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that that race, I don't have an up-to-the-minute report on it, but it's close, and we've got a very strong candidate uh, who was uh, Eugene DePasquale, who's the incumbent auditor general, uh, an office I held and my father held, James knows that. And he's he's strong in the the base of that uh, of that district, which is uh, York County, Dauphin County, Cumberland County. So that that's close. Um, and if we win that, I think that's that will be an an indication of a good night. So, Senator Casey, uh, the other guest we have uh, with you, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer, Michigan. Yes. And they have a, as we all know, they have a significant militia. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem in Michigan. It's at a. What is it like in Pennsylvania? Do you see a lot of that around the state? Are people concerned about that, or is not so much as you find in a place like Michigan? Uh, it seems to be pretty deep. Yeah, my, James. My sense is that that there'll be a there'll be a uh, there'll be a presence like that here, but I don't think it's going to be as uh, pronounced. Um, and. Uh, I don't. I, I don't. I don't get a sense that that's preventing people from uh, uh, from exercising their 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 right to vote. I think their people are. I think people. A lot of people who are, would walk over hot coals to vote in this election. I think they're going to vote. How about fracking? Is okay, fracking going to hurt Biden? I had somebody tell me, look, a lot of those wells aren't open now anyway, and and uh, uh, you know, fracking, anti-fracking is probably popular in the eastern part of the state. What's your assessment of what the fracking controversy will will do or not do? I I think that, I mean, the president months ago started that narrative. I think Joe Biden's campaign did a good job of pushing back about the vice president's position, which is uh, I'm not going to ban it in Pennsylvania, but we're going to, you know, we don't want to add it to uh, have fracking in federal land. We don't want to pollute the groundwater, drinking water. But I think you're right that most people in the state, even those that want to continue uh, gas extraction, want it to be done in accordance with uh, strong environmental protections. And also, I think there's an element to this where, and James knows this from way back in uh, 1986, is that for for a lot of people in southwestern Pennsylvania, even northeastern Pennsylvania, it's a jobs issue. And you've got a lot of a lot of older voters are concerned about their children and grandchildren leaving the state, which was an issue that we spent a lot of time on in, in 1986 in that campaign where people uh, worry about their family leaving. They, they see uh, the gas extraction jobs as a way to keep their families there. And it's, it's, there's no question it's been a job benefit to the state, but the state also has a very strong uh, commitment as we've had over the last 50 to 75 years of environmental protection after after letting coal companies do what they wanted for the, the previous 100 years. So there's a really strong commitment to environmental protection, which I think is is uh, I think present even in the even in the counties where you have a lot of gas extraction. James, close it up with our distinguished guest. Yeah. Well, no, I just like it's a uh, Santa Casa. Just so uh, proud to have worked. Uh, 
you know, for your father and so proud that, you know, you did such a terrific job for us in Philadelphia. I think you were primary in in North Philadelphia, as I recall, which, you know, (laughs) for, for for those of you who may not know, North Philadelphia is a traditionally and still is i'm sure the the uh Afri- huge african-american uh population there in philadelphia and uh you know i've just like gone on to have a, a really distinguished career and you know as auditor general as the united states senator and you know who knows what come next but uh it's a real honor to have you on the show sir and please give everybody in your family my best and Teresa and everybody my love and uh I, th- I think we're going to have a good, I think America is going to have a good day next Tuesday. I really do. I think the big winner in this election is going to be the United States of America. Jim, so it's a thank you so much for the show, sir. James, thanks. I think you're right. And appreciate your time and Al's time and God bless you both. Well, J- and I'll, I'll just second, James, please say hi to your family. Uh, and thank you so much for being with us, Bob. Best of luck. Thanks. Appreciate the time. Hey, now we want to take a second to tell you about this great new doctor service, Steady MD. This is the deal. They will tailor-made a physician for you and based on your, your gender, your age, your, your pre-existing conditions, you know, everything like that. Then you pay $99 a month, you have unlimited access, and you can cancel at any time you want. Now, you know, it's, it's like one of these things that it sounds too good to be true, but it's really a legit idea. This is the future of medicine, I promise you. You can just feel that this is coming. I, I just see it with my own physician. I do a lot of FaceTime stuff. And, you know, if you got, you got to be referred somewhere else, obviously we're going to be highly competent, highly screened, highly trained physicians. I, I think this is just a terrific idea. I'm, I'm so glad to have these people as part of our show. Yeah, and no co-pays or insurance required. It's accepting members of all ages, all 50 states. You go to SteadyMD.com slash War Room to take the free quiz and see which doctor is a perfect fit for you. SteadyMD.com slash War Room. No risk, as you said, James, no long-term commitment. Uh, that's SteadyMD.com slash War Room, and we thank them for sponsoring and look for the link in our show notes. Hey, James, our guest is the most prominent Democrat in one of the most prominent states in this election, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. While winning praise from experts for her handling of the COVID crisis, she's faced kidnapping threats from right-wing militias and vitriolic attacks from Donald Trump. She's written a riveting piece for The Atlantic on how Trump has incited violence against her and her family. Governor, first, thank you so much for being with us in your busy schedule. Uh, And we're going to get to that piece in just a moment. But first, four years ago, Michigan was the great heartbreak for Democrats. Trump carried it by 10,000 votes. How confident are you it's going to be different Tuesday? Well, I'm I'm very confident. Um, You know, we're not going to take anything for granted. We're going to run through the tape all the way through the close of polls on Election Day. But um, there's a very different uh, thing happening here in Michigan on the ground. I mean, people are, are fired up. They are turning out. We now have the right to vote in advance of the election, which we didn't have before. And we're seeing historic turnout already. Um, So I I really feel good about where we are. But like I said, we we won't rest until the polls close. Let me ask you about a potential problem. I think already 2.3 Michiganders have voted early. Uh, But if those mail ballots aren't counted as quickly on Election Day, and Republicans are ahead on in-person, 
uh, even though they're going to get swamped by the mail and early voting. And Trump claims, falsely claims victory. Is that going to create chaos? Well, I, we're a little concerned about it. I, I would be uh, lying if I didn't acknowledge that. And that's why I've been telling the news media, you got to wait for uh, an official representation from the state of Michigan before you start announcing any victories here. Um, it is going to be important that we get this right. And with this historic number of ballots and the inability to start early, we recognize it's going to take a little while to get a full, accurate count. And we're going to get it right. Uh, and it might just take a little bit longer, but um, we're committed to it. Let me ask you about that extraordinary Atlantic piece. It was titled The Plot to Kidnap Me and What You Face with the Vicious Militia uh, Attacks and Plans to Actually Kidnap You and Donald uh, Trump's uh, Incitement. You want to talk about it just for a minute? Well, I think it's important for people to recognize that the, the words of our leaders matter. They have an impact. And Donald Trump, ever since the moment he first set his sights on me, has been giving comfort and encouragement to people that um, are out to create terror in their fellow Americans. And every single time he mentions me, every time he tweets, we see an increase in death threats and violent rhetoric online. Um, and and certainly we've seen the culmination of it uh, in a plot to kidnap and put me on some sort of a trial and then execute me. If you heard these facts, you would assume that we're talking about a group like ISIS. But these are uh, American terrorists. These are domestic terrorists who are trying to scare their fellow Americans. And it's not limited to me. We know Dr. Fauci is dealing with threats. We know that leaders across the country are. And it's important for us to call it out and call it what it is. And we need people, people of goodwill on both sides of the aisle to do that because it undermines uh, the, the foundational elements of what our, our democracy was founded on as a threat to us all. Well, everybody out there ought to read Gretchen Whitmer's piece uh, in The Atlantic. It's out right now. James Carville. So, Governor, I gave a lanky Italian kid from Western Michigan his first job in politics, and his name is John Anzalone. Yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard of that guy? Can, can I trust his numbers, Governor? <laughs> you know what? I think you can. I think Anzo, he texts me every time I say, don't trust the poll. And he says it hurts his feelings when I say that. He, he, was, my, <laughs> he was my pollster in 18, and he was dead on. He knows right. Michigan. He's used to talking to Michigan. Um, right. All that being said, I also know that the people of this state, some of them will make their decisions in the in the last days, even as it's hard to believe for us to imagine that there are still people who don't know how they're going to vote. But that's the way it is. And that's why we we look at the data, but we do the work. Right. Yeah. Just so I know, John Anzalone lives in Montgomery, Alabama now, and he's the lead poster for the Biden for president campaign. So apparently, uh, uh you have a good eye for talent, Governor. Uh, so do you. One of the things we had a a, a professor, Ballou, uh from the University of Chicago, who writes extensively. As a, I think is the leading academic on his militia movements. And Professor Ballou says there are a lot more women involved in this than people think. That they're very that they're very supportive of this. Have you noticed that same that that same effect in Michigan? I haven't personally, James, to be honest, when you look at the 14 people that have been arrested around this plot, um, they're all right. white men. 
Um, right. They all, you know, look to be around the same, the same age. But um, I, I guess that that wouldn't completely shock me because certainly these groups have been, have been growing and they've been given comfort um, and by the, by the White House. So, so I, mean, I think she was saying in a more supportive bro, but I think it's the sheriff of Barry County. What was wrong with that guy? <laughs> you know, James, I don't have a psychology degree, but I, I will say that um, in all walks and all professions, there's a certain percentage of people who um, I, I, I think don't don't uh, take their oath to hold, uphold the law seriously. And um, sadly, he's a he's a, a a good example of a bad situation. So uh, one more question. I know your time is limited. Uh, my friend Stan Bringberg is probably the foremost commentator on Macomb County, Michigan. He's been following it since the 80s. How do you think that uh, Vice President Biden going to do in Macomb? And, and if you tell our listeners what exactly Macomb County, where it's located and what its significance is in Michigan politics. So Macomb County is a county north of Detroit. It is a hardworking, middle class, by and large, county. Uh, they used to be known as the Reagan Democrats. This was a county in Michigan that voted for Ronald Reagan. Uh, it also was a county that we flipped from from being a Trump-supporting county to a Whitmer-supporting county in my uh, election two years ago. But they often are kind of a bellwether of what's happening in the Midwest. I think that all of the uh, trade by Twitter that has cost so many people jobs the lack of getting their arms around COVID-19 crisis, which is ravaging our country, uh, our lives, and our livelihoods. These are the fundamentals that that voters across Michigan and in Macomb County in particular are looking at. It's going to be a competitive race, I think, in Macomb County, but I know that Joe Biden's platform and and his decency, are, I think, go a long way with folks, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Biden carried Macomb County. Albert? Well, that would be a uh, that would certainly be a big deal because uh, uh, that was one of those 206 counties that was Obama and then went uh, and then went for for uh, Trump. But if it was a Whitmer County, uh, I, why? You know, it would look like you'd be pretty confident about Joe carrying it there. He is the kind of person you think uh, appeals to Macomb County uh, voters more than Hillary Clinton, frankly. He is, absolutely. And I, I just think that uh, both campaigns know that this is a, an important county with a, a lot of votes in it, and they've been um, spending a lot of time there. So uh, I think just the, the very nature of that and the, and the makeup of this county make it one that um, you know could, could go either way. And that's why I know the Biden campaign is spending so much energy there showing people we've got a plan to get our arms around COVID, to get people back to work, to keep them safe. And to ensure that, uh, you know, we have a level playing field, because when we do, we can compete with anyone in the world. Governor, you've got a couple other important races out there, too. I know the state Supreme Court, which handed down uh, what many of us believe was a bad decision about your uh, sensible rules out there. I think there's a two contests for the state Supreme Court, which could really affect uh, those kind of decisions. Do you have any sense of how they're going? Yeah, there, there, there's no question that. You know, I've been battling the White House, but I've also been battling my state house, who's been trying to take away my authority to keep people safe. Um, the Supreme Court made a, you know, a mental stretch in their rationale for 
invalidating a law that's been on the books for 75 years. That was the basis of my executive orders. And, and so this Supreme Court race is important. And I know we're all looking at the United States Supreme Court. We don't individually have a vote on that, but we do on this Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court race here in Michigan. And I think, you know, Bridget McCormick will get reelected to the court. And I believe Elizabeth Welch is going to pick up that open seat. And, and that will give me great comfort that our judiciary will be uh, populated by people who actually care about following the law. That would give you a, a, a real break in those kind of decisions, too. Do you have any chance in the state legislature? You know, we've got four seat different in our state in our state house, and uh, we've got a, a number of incredible candidates who are working hard. These these races will be decided by a, a handful of votes, but we are competitive, and and I'm trying my darndest to make sure I've got at least a House of Representatives that'll work with me instead of undermine the work I'm trying to do. Well, that's great. I, I would point out, James, I want to turn it over to you. I think that uh, uh, Governor Whitmer pointed out that she grew up in a household with a dad who worked for a Republican governor and a mom who worked for the Democratic state attorney general. So, uh, so you know, my guess is my guess is she's well trained. Uh, so, so, Governor, I got my blessing in Michigan politics. I was second debate in 1992 was in Lansing and we had debate prep in Ypsilanti. And I'm a runner, and it was kind of typically cold day in Michigan. I, I didn't, you know, I came up from Arkansas. So I went in, I got a sweatshirt. Of course, it was maize and blue. So I went out, took my run. And the next day, we, we went up to Lansing, and I was going to take my run. Of course, I had all the people outside the hotel, and, and stupidly, I put the maize and blue sweatshirt on, and I got run back into that hotel in about five seconds. It's probably the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. But so are you a Spartan or a Wolverine? You know what, James? It's funny because this is the big weekend of the Michigan State-Michigan game. Right. And uh, I'm a Spartan. I got two degrees from MSU, but I am a proud mother of a Wolverine. So I can't lose in this one. Ah, spoken like a true politician, Governor. There's well, a reason that all- you're successful. <laughs> and and James, spoken like someone whose dad would work for a Republican and mom worked for a Democrat. That's, That's good right. training for the Spartans and Wolverines. You know, and we need just going forward in America, people that can talk to each other. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think your kids probably have will be some of the smartest in doing that. Well, I'm proud to say both of them are fervently and passionately for Joe Biden. So I'm very I'm very happy about that. Well, and I can I can tell you, Governor, that my son is working for one of your gubernatorial colleagues, uh, Roy Cooper, down in North Carolina, who's going to be reelected, I think, on Tuesday. Yeah, we're feeling good about that. Uh, that's a that's an important race and an important state in the midst of all the the presidentials. So, right. uh, Roy's a great guy, and I'm I'm glad your child is uh, helping him out. I just saw a friend, Governor John Bell Edwards in Louisiana, and we have a terrifying storm hitting us. So please uh, pray for us and ask the people around you too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll keep you in our prayers. Stay safe. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you again. We are so pleased, Governor. Thank you so much. And read that piece in The Atlantic called The Plot to Kidnap Me by Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. Stay safe, Governor, and good luck next Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. Big honor. Best to you. Hey, James, you know, in this time, it's really important to focus on ourselves and do something that lifts us up. There's enough depressing stuff going on, stuff that makes us feel better, like one of our favorites, learning with the Great Courses Plus. Yeah, you know, the the thing about that is 
not just how good they are. And of course, you could have, there's one on Shakespeare and there's one on the Civil War and there's one on World War II or, or anything like that. But some of the just other fascinating topics that they have it, 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 it is remarkable. For somebody, you know, boy, during the pandemic and you have a lot of time on your hands, this is a very, very, very good way to exercise that time, I promise you. Boy, it sure is. And I, I love the history stuff. But let me tell you what I'm going to do this week with this great Courses Plus. Uh, my daughter uh, and my grandson, Kai, just got a nine-week-old puppy, Shiloh. Uh, Kai got Shiloh. And she's a beautiful nine-week-old golden retriever puppy. They have, on Great Courses Plus, How to Train Your Dog. And that's going to be my gift to my daughter and my grandson this week uh, from the Great Courses Plus. It's just a great, great, great product. Now, you know, Shiloh means place of peace. I know. And but Grant, at the, after the first day of Shiloh, they didn't do very well. And Sherman went to Grant and he said, man, man we had a, a Dickens of a day, didn't we? And Grant just said, lick them tomorrow. You can go to the great courses and you can learn a lot about the Battle of Shiloh. <laughs> as, and, you know, as well as how to train your dog. Uh, Absolutely. And, and with the Great Courses Plus app, it's easy and accessible. Watch or listen anywhere, anywhere in the world. Start your journey with the Great Courses Plus today. And when you go there, get a full month of unlimited access for free to greatcoursesplus.com slash warroom. That's the greatcoursesplus.com slash warroom, all one word, okay? Or look for the link in our show notes. James, the listeners are really sending in some good questions. The first has to go to you because it's from Chris in New Orleans, who says, let's assume Trump loses, the Republicans lose the Senate. What happens to the Republican Party? You got the Lincoln Project and all the anti-Trumpers. It looks like he says, Chris says, Trump will go live in a cave and try to control the party like bin Laden did. What's going to happen to the Republican Party afterwards? But that is a good question. And I've had, I don't know how many different conversations on it. What I have found is like the really Republicans, but but what we would call smart Republicans, they want the Republicans to lose bad. I mean, the, the, the worst result for them would be that Biden wins by five. You have 50 Democratic senators and the Democrats pick up five House seats. I promise you that many people in the congressional Republican leadership think the only way, and a lot, and a never Trumpers right. certainly feel that way, that the only hope for redemption within the Republican Party is that it's a massive defeat. So, because everybody knows that the, the demographic of the Trump, of the Trumpist Republicans is hardly favorable to the future of the Republican Party. And the defeat that they're going to have to experience is so sufficient that somehow or another this virus is contained. And I don't know what the number is, but I can tell you that that is a article of and faith I, among I, I agree. professional and Republicans. I think it'll take probably a couple uh, you know, defeats before they get there. The next question is Robert from Gresham, Oregon, uh, who says, how likely do you think it'll be that Trump and Republicans will be able to steal the election? They're certainly going to try. There's no question of that. Uh, I think if, if Biden wins, as I think he will, by, you know, about seven points, they're not going to be able to get away with it. But I'll tell you, one of the most disturbing things this week was Brett Kavanaugh's decision or uh, concurring decision in the Wisconsin voting rights case. Whatever you think of the case, what Kavanaugh basically said was, hey, 
We got to make sure this thing is settled by election day or closer after. We don't want it to go around. That means he was anti-county mail ballots for several days. He is a Republican gunslinger sitting on the Supreme Court. So they will try to steal it, Robert. Uh, I think if Biden wins sufficiently, they ain't going to be able to get away with it. Um, well, they, they're sending a Brett Kavanaugh is sending a signal. Get the cases up here, and we'll steal exactly. it for you. I mean, that's basically what he was saying. Now, the, 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 the issue, as I understand it, was you're supposed to the Constitution mandate mandates election day. Congress set the election day. All right. And so the question is, if you're a soldier in Afghanistan and you send a ballot in, in to Pennsylvania, and you, it's postmarked October the 20th, and the election board receives it on November 4th, all right, the, the, the question is, should that vote count? Well, Kavanaugh and, and five other, Four other uh, yeah. Republican right. judges, all right, said no, the state cannot, can, it, it is permissible for the state not to count that ballot. It, but Brett Kavanaugh has never charged anything more dangerous than a beer keg in his entire life. And he's going to tell these soldiers and Marines and sailors and airmen that who vote, who sent in a ballot or deployed uh, two weeks before election day that, that you, it's okay to not count their ballots. I, I mean, well, not it's only so do you have a re- outrageous. You it can't is. Do it. And, and, and he's got reinforcements coming in named Amy Coney Barrett. So yeah, you know, well, yeah. that's why it's important. Yeah, she doesn't even make, she doesn't even make any pretense. I mean, she have right. a political rally. She has Thomas, Clarence Thomas swearing in. She's part With of a Donald political Trump rally. Right. right. But Donald right. Trump saying it back. She doesn't even, right. she doesn't even say, you know, I'm going to read the law book and, you know, I'm going to listen judiciously to, to, to oral arguments. And, you know, I'm going to confer with uh, my law clerks and my fellow justices. She doesn't do any of that. All right, James, let's run through these. Uh, uh, this is from James. I don't know what James it is, right. but he says, what if I have to watch one state to know which way it's going, what, what's the one state I should watch Tuesday? Well, if you get to count, a, a big count, like, uh, you know, probably Pennsylvania. But yeah. I, I, th- I think I would watch, uh, I think the votes are going to come in pretty early. You know, Georgia, Ohio. What about Ohio? We forget about Ohio. Right. You're gonna you're gonna know a lot. In as opposed to one state, I would look maybe at counties because you might get some full counts in some really determinative counties like Erie and Pennsylvania, like New Hanover and North Carolina, like Gwinnett and Georgia, Seminole, yeah. Duval, you know, Pinellas and in, in, in uh Florida. Uh you know, you might want to look at uh, see the margin in, in some of these urban counties of uh, Hamilton, Franklin, Cuyahoga, and, and uh mm-hmm. In Ohio, so I would have a more county-centric thing and see which counties are reporting a lot, and just compare that to the 2016 result. You'll, you'll, well, you'll I, do pretty well. I, I agree, and I don't think it's going to be close. If I'm wrong, and it is close, uh, I do think uh, it's hard for me to see how either one of these guys can win without carrying Pennsylvania. So, I just think so, that's that's sort of you know you can make a case, but it's but Ryan, uh, you know it's not easy. Ryan Fryer's says, and he's a former chairman of the Republican National Committee who did the autopsy, said, really, all you need to do is look at, at Virginia. Now, you, the question is not, is Biden going to carry Virginia? Of course he is. Just compare the margin in Virginia to 2016 and compare the turnout to 2016, and you're going to know a lot. These elections are not held in a vacuum. 
if he does significantly better in Virginia than he did in 2016, he's going to carry North Carolina. It just happens like that. Hey, James, the next is from Lynn in Brownville, Maine, who says, how do we get lobbyists out of Washington and distance from political influence? First, Lynn, you don't want to get lobbyists out of Washington. It's a First Amendment right. There are a lot of good lobbyists and there are a lot of really insidious lobbyists. What you need is rules. What you need is to end the revolving door. What you need is to make sure that you can't trade on that for inside information. Joe Biden actually has a pretty good uh, proposal. He's taken it from Nancy Pelosi and H.R. 1. Uh, and I think if you do that, you end the revolving door, you end taking favors from lobbyists. Uh, I think already you're seeing a lot of small money contributions coming in. You want to you want to reduce the influence of the insidious K Street lobbyists. You don't want to take lobbyists out of Washington. James. Well, yeah. And the, the, the biggest thing that communities can do or people that feel this is work on passing the 28th Amendment and overturn Citizens United and and give people you know, give Congress the power to regulate spending in politics. You know, what happened, though, is an interesting thing. They, they did this, you know, I think it was 2010. And it worked well for them until it didn't work. And now you got Michael Bloomberg putting hundreds of millions of dollars in the campaign. I can't, I, we did, a, we must have $20 million donors to American Bridge. And so this is, so now all of the big money is turned into being democratic. They they pass these these rules to make it harder for people to vote. All right. So they put one drop box in, in Harris County, Texas. What does it do? It makes people want to vote more. They come out yeah. more. When and, I was in high and, and Lindsey Graham now now is for campaign finance reform. Right. Uh, uh, it's unbelievable. James, the other this so, is well, from let me just Adam. make one more point. One more point. Yeah. Richard Murray pointed out. In 2010, the Texas Republicans wrote maps that they thought were going to ensure that they would be in power forever. And what happened is the map bit them on ass. And so now in all these Dallas County seats and, and Fort Bend County and, you know, Bear County and all that, they're going to lose these. And mm. why don't they just put, you know, until the Republican Party decides, you know what, we just want fair elections. We want fair districts. And and so when you when you skew it like that, you don't run on your ideas. You just run to maintain whatever the status quo is. James, let's turn to Adam in Oklahoma, who wants to know about expanding the federal federal judiciary. What laws or regulations are needed? Should it be done? And if you do it, what you, what should you do? And can Republicans then reverse it? Yeah, you know, I actually think Biden's idea to have a commission look at this and make recommendations is a pretty good idea. It, there, there's no set. It's not set in the Constitution how many Supreme Court justices you have, appellate court justices you have, uh, district court justices. And by the way, it, the Supreme Court is not a lifetime appointment. Appointment to the federal judiciary is a lifetime appointment. But statutorily, you could term limit Supreme Court justices at 12 years. Now, you couldn't kick them out of federal judiciary, but they, they could be a federal district judge and appellate court judge. You could revolve them. Yes. Yeah. I, I, and yeah. I don't know. I'm not a... I would, you know, and I, I know if, if uh, then President Biden would appoint a commission, I, I know one thing, it would be knowledgeable people who have great experience in these things, and they would make recommendations that they thought were, were, were fruitful. And I would be interested in taking a look at those recommendations. And the more that this voting thing, and, and this Brett Kavanaugh thing, and this Comey Barrett thing, they don't even act like they're trying to be impartial. Yeah. Don't even this is like not. They don't put this up is a, a charade. 
You're right. This is a Republican Supreme Court, and they cheated to get there. I would have had real reservations about enlarging the court several years ago. I don't have them anymore. When you cheat to get there, you ought to pay a price. Yeah. Uh, well, when they lost we, you, they, they were, you know, you're the biggest institutionalist right. I know. <laughs> institutionalist on, on steroids. Oh, my God. I remember I uh, used to say that to you, and you said, don't even say that. Don't even say that. That's true. That's true. You're right. Yeah. Uh, listen, we have an interesting question from Lamas in Syria, who says a Syrian oh, wow. citizen. And she said, I haven't heard about Biden and his international policies and his vision for the future in the Middle East. That's a really interesting <laughs> question because it hasn't been talked about at all in this election. I think when it comes to Israel, Biden is going to be really no different than Trump. Uh, he is, has always been uh, very pro-Israeli. Yeah. He will stay that way, maybe a little bit harder on settlements. I think where, where it will make a difference is twofold. Number one, he won't have that crazy Iran policy. The Iranians now have a more, they're closer to a nuclear capacity than they were uh, three years ago. And they are still a huge regional power. To pretend like you can drive them out and there's going to be an insurrection is just insane. It hasn't worked. But I think the second thing that Biden will do is different. There will be some sense of stability to whatever the policy is, as opposed to this Trump of one day you're uh, uh, interventionist, the next day you're uh, isolationist. Nobody knows what his policy is. Just like the domestic markets, there's no predictability. I think there will be with the Biden administration. Yeah, first of all, my, my heart goes out to you and your country. And I, I've never been to Damascus, and I've always wanted to go, of course, uh, not on the radar screen, uh, given the current situation. Uh, I think the Saudis' influence will be significantly less. Yes. And, you Good know, the, the, I think the other thing is, is that, you know, policy toward Turkey is really going to be important. I mean, if you just look at where it's kind of located, Right. Uh, it has the ability to cause a lot of mischief in the world. And I think it's probably we pay a lot of attention to Iraq or Iran the Saudi Arabia. We don't pay probably not enough attention to Turkey. I think the Trump foreign, I mean, the, the Biden foreign policy team is going to be unbelievably strong. Everybody just thinks that he's got it. So I, I look for improvement now and I hope that things in Syria can return to some sense of normalcy. I really do. Well, of course, the great problem uh, there is that the Russians are so much stronger in the region than they were before Trump came in. Yeah, and have uh, historically and been that way, as I understand it. That, that, that's well, yeah, the but use... they're stronger now than ever because, right, of, have, uh, because of, course, of his policies. Yeah, right. of course, Trump. Final question, James, and this is really an appropriate one, and it comes from Peter. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Peter. He said, I work with Mr. Carville as a field director on a United Steel Workers project in Baton Rouge over a decade ago. So now I want to ask him, this is your former employee, James, uh, right. do we need to launch a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to debunk conspiracies, but also to investigate the Trump administration's corruption? But this is, this is a money question that, Look, if let, let's assume that Trump is out of there election day, all right? And Trump says, all right, I will, and unless I get an agreement that I'm going to be left alone, I am going to cause as much trouble as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm going to agitate my people. I'm, I'm going to start Trump TV, you know, and, and I'll be around. Now, if you leave me alone, and you let me go to Mar-a-Lago, then I will leave peacefully. Now, that, you know, that 
to a lot of people, it's going to be, just get that son of a bitch out of here that I don't have to look at him. Now, that, I'm, what I'm giving you is probably an exaggerated view, but, but some view of that is going to, to happen. Now, I think President Obama did many good things as president, did some things that are not so good, and he did one thing that I think was awful, and that is he never prosecuted these bankers. And I think that had a lot to do with the rise of Trump. It's just the idea that there was no accountability. And right now, I think I would say you, you, you have to have accountability. There, there has to be – what he did was so awful. Now, to be brutally honest, you know, Grant had the very generous terms with Lee. Sherman did very generous time with Joe Johnson. We certainly made an error after World War I. Uh, so it, this is this is not a, a close question, and the answer is not totally obvious. No, it's not. And the uh, and the only problem with the first scenario is you can't trust Trump. So if he says well, I'll go away yeah, quietly, you know, he, you know he you know he you know he won't do that. I think one thing that's critical. One thing it's obviously very important who Biden would name. Say, wait, 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 one thing on on, uh, on that. There's one way you could do that. And that would be if Cyrus Vance has an indictment that is ready to go. And if you open your mouth, yeah. all right, the grand jury's well, going to yeah, vote Yeah, on. I was going to say the one thing is as important as Treasury State, Chief of Staff, all that is, the next attorney general is a critical appointment. It has to be someone who, A, is above reproach, someone who is just uh, incredibly respected, uh, and uh, someone who would not be accused of being a partisan uh, because there are going to be really tough decisions made about the Trump administration's corruption. And I think it's the most important attorney general appointment since Jerry Ford named Edward Levy back after Watergate. And uh, it's going to be a really, really delicate and important decision uh, for Joe Biden. But uh, so I hope that answers your question, Peter. And I want you to write in and tell us what it was like to work as a field director for James Carville, okay? Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville, and I'm Al Hunt. I want you to be sure and vote if you haven't. Vote in person. Don't count on the mail anymore or a Dropbox. Anyone who hasn't voted, you must vote in the next five days. And remember to email your questions to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. Uh, It's at Politicon. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we as we do our postmortem and analyze what we think will be a big Biden win on November 3. We'll see you next week.